This is Fusion Fantasy Football. I'm back with a bonus episode this week here on Fusion Fantasy Football. I'm, of course, your host, Joshua. Find us on Twitter at FusionFFB. And like I said, it's a bonus episode. I have as my guest the incomparable George of Break From The Grind podcast, as well as, of course, Sleeperwire, all of his fantasy football content right now is going out on there but look up their podcasts both on sleeper wire as well as break from the grind and find him on twitter at bftg pod just the way it sounds and today i just have a probably excessively long conversation where we just break down a mid-season draft and it's just really interesting to talk about these players and how we view them rest of season there's a little bit of dynasty talk thrown in where where it applies we try to get into application as best we can talking about player versus player values trades and so on that's it that's the intro enjoy Hello, George. Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. How are you doing this evening? Absolutely fantastic. How about yourself, Josh? Doing great. We're pretending here like we just started. We're, really, we, we're talking <laughs> we, we for like 10, 15 minutes. I'm probably going to have to splice <laughs> some of that stuff in because there was some good talk in there. And I'm like, what are we doing? We need to actually start this thing. So yeah. we are going to get going. We, we could have done a whole show before we actually started recording. Yeah, it was the pre-show. Um, it was the pre-show. You guys are going to have to like sign up for my new Patreon to hear it. Uh, that doesn't exist. That's not, that's not a thing. I'm joking. So what are we doing here? Basically what happened was George here decided he had the crazy idea of starting a, a, a redraft league in October. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Um, degenerates that we are, we all said, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. You say degenerates. I say junkies. They're one and the same. It's all the same. And so, um, I, I was getting ready to like share it and I saw your tweet and I, I went to go to it, but before I even could get around to sharing it, this thing was filled. <laughs> it was, it was funny. So I was at work and I was talking with, with my buddy Jason and we were, we were discussing ways to uh, try to help us hit our goal for uh, toys for tots this year. Um, for those that don't know, I run a whole bunch of charity leagues. Uh, all the money from my charity leagues, 100% of it goes directly to toys for tots um, at the end of the year. And our goal for this year was to raise $6,000 and we're, we're on a path right now, not only to hit the goal, but to exceed it, which is phenomenal. Um, so thanks to everybody, uh, Josh, yourself included, you're in quite a few. Uh, you're running a league for me, which is phenomenal. So, you know, to those people who are, who are helping out, know your money is going to a great cause. But uh, yeah, it was funny. We were just talking at work about different ways to what we could do to try to hit the goal. And I was like, well, you know, I can try to run another league in the middle of uh the season to see if there's anybody who wants to do a, like just start over. Uh, you know, we've all did our drafts, took players. We thought were going to be great. And they're kind of disappointing. Uh, all, uh, James Connor, Joe Mixon, just to name a few, uh, a couple of Juju owners out there are probably not too happy and want to restart a couple of Odell Beckham owners. So I said, let's see if we can get any interest. So I, you know, put a plug in all of my charity leagues. Um, I put it out there on Twitter. I put it out on a couple of group me chats that I'm in. And within a matter of an hour, a couple hours, rather, the league was filled. Uh, I was shocked that there was that many junkies out there that actually wanted to do another redraft league starting uh, week one is actually week going into week six of the NFL season. But 
here we are. And now we're talking about a live draft that happened a couple of nights ago. Yeah. And so it creates this really interesting draft. That's almost a uh, kind of a snapshot of, you could call it an ADP, but it's not really, it just is a really interesting look at the current perceptions. Uh, and this is of course a redraft perspective. If it was dynasty, it would be a little bit more, you know, temperate, but it, the reactions are here for, um, they're all over the place. So that's what we wanted to look at a little bit. This is going to be kind of the first of a little bit of a two-parter for me, a little bonus episode from Fusion FFB of kind of mid-season uh, review and thought this would be a fun way of doing it once we actually had this draft and I was looking at everything. I think, George, that the fact that it's a charity league um, on top of the fact that there's so many individual players that really have disappointed this year or a lot of injuries as well that I think that explains why so many people are just jumping at the chance to start something new. Yeah, just wipe the slate clean and start all over. That's basically what we did. So funnily enough, I got the first pick. Um, I was a little actually late getting to it, but you were kind enough to grant me Christian McCaffrey, which is the absolute correct choice. Well, I was I was honestly going back and forth between Christian McCaffrey and uh, uh, Tim Tebow, but I figured you probably wanted McCaffrey. Yeah, you know how much I love my Miami <laughs> players. Um, I, I I I was gonna go Kenyon Drake. He was he was definitely in play at one hundred and one. <laughs> so the the running backs played out pretty much as you would expect. There's a couple names here that are interesting. Of course, we have injuries. Barkley fell to the fifth running back taken, which is still pretty high considering. Sixth. Oh, he is the sixth. He felt, right. he, yeah, he's yeah. one six. Yeah, I, I just can't read. So he's the sixth, and that's a little bit interesting. He has He's not obviously in this game that is going on as we were recording, and there's a decent chance he might be back uh, for the next game, but they have a week seven uh, no. When is their buy? I'm, I'm blanking. I right think it's now. week, it's either a week 11 or week 12. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking they had a buy. So it was two weeks before they played. Well, that is false. So they will be back week seven. So he may be back for that game. That one's pretty 50, 50. I think, I don't know why they would rush him. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not going to the playoffs. They're, they have absolutely no reason to rush him. Uh, his week is of buy is officially week 11, by the way. Okay. So I'm wondering who of the running backs, at least the first few rounds, really stuck out to you as a surprise either being higher or lower than you would have expected among running backs? Well, and I, I don't know if it's recency biased or if it's a situation, but Aaron Jones, not only did he jump into the first round, uh, but he jumped ahead of guys like Saquon Barkley. Uh, the aforementioned Saquon Barkley. He jumped ahead of David Johnson. Uh, jumped ahead of Nick Chubb, uh, jumped ahead of Leonard Fournette, which kind of surprised me as well, uh, as great as Leonard Fournette's been playing. Uh, he snuck all the way not into the first round, but in the top five. He was 1-5, so that kind of surprised me uh, right there. Another one that kind of surprised me is uh, James Conner. Uh, he's still going in, the, in this draft, at least. He went 2-5. So him going ahead of guys like uh, Todd Gurley, Ahead of guys like Marlon Mack, I thought he would go higher. Uh, Derrick Henry, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, Melvin Gordon, all guys that you expect to be a lot better for the rest of the year than than James Conner, and he went significantly ahead of them. Yeah, one of the guys that kind of one of the, the pairs that stuck out to me was, like you said, uh, Marlon Mack. He did fall into the third round. I guess that's because of the inconsistency, but still, um, that's not much in my mind. I don't have much difference between Aaron Jones and Marlon Mack. No. And of course, Aaron Jones, like you said, going fifth running back, fifth pick overall. Mack going uh, with the sixth pick in the third round. So that's a really big difference. And I would have them, I mean, really just split the difference halfway between. They should just be right in the middle of that second round. I would have yep. thought at least... Um, I don't have a problem with Connor there going forward. I can't remember. Did we have news of the Jalen Samuels injury? I think we did. Yeah, he's going to be out about a month. 
yeah, he'll be out a month. And uh, I get they have the third string quarterback in. It's not even Dobbs because they traded their third string quarterback. Really, it's their fourth string quarterback. And man, I I get that that's going to be ugly, but it's going to be volume at the same time. So I can't I can't hate it. I still probably would have had, like you said, Gurley ahead of him. Carryon Johnson fell between Gurley and Eckler. That's a pretty good spot for him. I think he has some good stretch of the season coming up. He could move up there. But the one that's really stuck out to me here was, like I just said, Eckler in the third round. That would have been, oh, I'm having to count again here, seven, nine, what, what running back 13 here, I'm guessing, something like that. Um, meanwhile, Melvin Gordon went at the beginning of the fourth. Uh, there was another four running backs taken between Eckler and Gordon with Eckler taken first. Yeah. That is interesting to me because, I mean, what what do you get out of that? Because to me, that made sense. I was grabbing Eckler in the fifth, sixth rounds of drafts at the beginning of the season because I was expecting Gordon to miss games, but he's back now. Yeah, I, I didn't understand. So I didn't understand it. I, I, Austin Eckler is going to have a role in that offense, uh, regardless with Melvin Gordon being back or not. He had a role in it last year. Uh, he was a safe flex play for you at uh, most weeks. But with Melvin Gordon coming back, I, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, he went 3-3, he being Austin Eckler. After him was Marlon Mack, Derrick Henry, Chris Godwin, Mark Ingram, uh, I would take every single one of them easily over Austin Eckler's at this point in, in the year just because Gordon is back and all signs coming out of Los Angeles is he's going to have the same role he had last year. Uh, they're going to use him just like they did. I wouldn't even be surprised if they used him slightly more knowing, listen, let's run him into the ground because we're not bringing him back next year. Uh, we know what we have in Austin Eckler. We He did great for us the first four or five weeks of the year. So we're not going to overpay Melvin Gordon. We've already told you and showed you we're not going to do it. So, I mean, yeah, that one's kind of a head scratcher for me. I mean, going forward, I, I kind of I kind of do like Eckler to at least match Gordon's points for the rest of the season going forward. I actually don't buy the idea that they're going to run Gordon into the ground. Um, I think we could easily see them lean more towards Eckler than they had before when it was the both of them out there. But it's still going to be split work. But there is plenty of work for them uh, for them both. But I definitely would have taken Derrick Henry ahead. Uh, Derrick Henry really, if this is a perception of Derrick Henry right now, I would say people need to go buy him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, Henry's been absolutely phenomenal this year. Very uh, consistent. They're, they're, they're using him the way he should be used. Yep. So it, I understand he's got a bad rap from years past, uh, but he, he's played great so far this year. There's no reason to, uh, to not like Derrick Henry. And if he's going this late in most drafts, or if this is where his current ADP is, is 3-9, the – 10th or 11th uh, running back off the board. I, I like it. I'm going out and I'm actually going to try to complete a couple trades to see if I can get me some Derrick Henry this year. Yeah, that was the uh, ninth pick in the third round that he was taken. I just wanted to give that as reference because I want to shift into the wide receivers now and then maybe we can kind of talk a little bit more about trades when we have more context. So after this first seven picks were all running backs, like we talked about, um, just so you have that order, it was Christian McCaffrey, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Zeke, Aaron Jones, Barkley, and then David Johnson. The first wide receiver taken was Michael Thomas. Bit of a surprise to me. He has He just had a huge game, so I suppose that may have played into it. That that could have listen. I like Michael Thomas. You do have Drew Brees coming back, so you expect him to be able to return to form from uh, previous years. Teddy Bridgewater looked 
pretty good his last game. I think he's starting to get, you know, a better feel for the offense and whatnot. So I, I don't hate the Michael Thomas pick at 1-8. Uh, being the first wide receiver off the board, I, I don't hate it. There, there's a valid argument to be made um, for him at that position. Well, what we're going to see here as we continue going through the names is there's a lot of volatility among these top wide receivers. It is not nearly as clear-cut and obvious where the line between the first tier and the second tier is as it has been the last couple seasons, I feel like. Yeah, no, the so we had Michael Thomas was the number one wide receiver off the board, followed by DeAndre Hopkins and at 112 was Julio Jones. Those were the only wide receivers taken in the first round. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if I would have took Julio Jones in the first, personally. Uh, I haven't seen it from him so far this year. Uh, he is a, definitely a buy-low candidate, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I probably I would have went – I probably would have went Devontae Adams over Julio Jones, personally. I don't see much difference between them. Of course, Adams may still miss this week. Um, now, everyone has to remember, this – this five weeks are gone. So we're starting yep. week six and playoffs start like normal week 14. So we've got an eight week season. Am I correct? Correct. So we've got eight weeks here. Each of these games matters a little bit more. And so I could understand not wanting them to be without your wide receiver one for the first game. Um, that would be enough for me, just a tip to Julio, who I do think, even though he hasn't had those huge games, he's been consistent, and it's not gonna it's not gonna go away. Um, so I, I still do like Julio and that whole offense basically, but he he deserves to be up here. Um, Lamari Cooper was in between Adams and Jones. He's had some big games. He's beat up, but he's putting up the points. He's someone who I had, I believe, is my wide receiver eight initially. And then there was the news about his his foot. And um, apparently that doesn't bother him. So <laughs> uh, I guess he did try to tell us that he was used to dealing with it. But that just sounded worse to me. But I guess he really is used to it. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 coming off a 200-yard game. So if that foot is bothering him, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I like to see what he can do when he's healthy, I guess. So that's the first five. Towards the end of the second round, Tyree Kill went, and then Cup with the 10th pick, and it came around to my two at the at the end of the turn where I took Chris Godwin and Keelan and Allen. But backtracking a little bit, Tyree Kill ahead of Cup, Godwin, Allen, and the next one was Odell Beckham. This little group here, would you would you take Hill ahead of those knowing that you're probably he I doubt he's back this week, so it's probably next week you're getting him. Um so there's huge upside with uh with Tyreek Hill. Uh we know what we could do what he could do when he's on the field. Personally, I think I probably would rank these guys um Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Odell. I think that's 100% correct. I, I agree. I agree. And I have been trying this past week, actually, in a few leagues. I was looking to buy Tyreek Hill. And I'm wondering if if other people are sensing the same thing. Basically looking at this team, looking at, at Mahomes and how he's struggled for a couple of games. We say struggled. He still put up like 20 points. But for Mahomes, it seems like he struggled. And I wonder if everyone's thinking just they, they need him. They're going to really use him, and he's going to be back to his old self when he gets back. Well, the one thing we do know is within his career, if Mahomes is playing in a dome, you have to sit him. Uh, he He's never thrown for a single <laughs> touchdown pass in a dome throughout his entire career when he starts. So he's he, – he, you know how Big Ben has that whole home road split games? It's clear, no, no, no argument against it. Mahomes has an outside dome split. So yes, the evidence no. is <laughs> incontrovertible. The evidence is overwhelming. <laughs> oh, for, for those that don't know, I'm joking. Okay, <laughs> he's played one game in a dome in his entire career, and that was uh, 
that was in week four, I believe. Yeah, it was the first game he's never not scored uh, through a touchdown. So, <laughs> right. But uh, no, listen, I'm expecting a lot from Tyreek Hill come back. That that team does not look the same with him. You could say, you know, Mahomes started the season with an injured foot. Uh, he had an ankle issue, I believe, that got stepped on on the first week. It got stepped on again last week. Right. He's looked outside of one game. He's looked very good. Um, that team. Listen, that team is not the same team without Tyreek Hill. He he adds a dimension to that team that you just don't get from guys like Mikael Hardman, uh, Robinson, and Sammy Watkins, who happened to miss the, the last week. Yeah, you kind of got shades of it. They were trying to do their best impersonation, and one week it was Robinson, the next week it was Hardman, and then I think this past week it was Pringle, although he was kind of yep. – he was doing it all, both Watkins and, and Hill – so that's why I think maybe it, it's been pretty hard trying to buy him because I think everyone's excited to see him back in that offense. And they they maybe had some fears or doubts when Hardman and Robinson and them were having their good games that maybe they didn't really need Hill. But now these last two games, I think you're, you're seeing it and they're saying, okay, no, they need him. Yeah, I mean, he, he adds a dimension to that team that they currently don't have. I mean, and it's not just the speed, all right? They have speed on the outside. Sammy Watkins, when he plays, he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, obviously, but he's still a quick dude. Um, Mikel Hardman is a very fast dude. So Tyreek just, he's another level. Uh, he, he He's a level that those two guys are just not at. Uh, you could tell Pat Mahomes misses him. He opens up the entire field. And I honestly believe one of the reasons that you've seen so much struggle from their run game between Damian Williams and Shady McCoy is because Tyreek Hill is not there to take off the top. Absolutely. I agree. So I, I think with Tyreek coming back, if Mahomes injury on his foot is not as bad as, and I don't think it's that bad. I, I'm not, I'm expecting him to be, you know, Mahomes. Uh, I think we will see an uptick in, in efficiency coming from both of the running backs in Kansas city. Right. There's not a lot of surprises after this. Uh, there's, I would say the two that jump out to me is, like I said, I took Godwin. And if you were paying attention, you may be asking, well, where's Evans? Because Evans was taken uh, four wide receivers later in the middle of the third round. Yep. Agree or disagree? Godwin's or Evans' rest, rest of the season? I'm going to say Godwin just because with the coaching staff they have in Tampa, we... we We've seen what they've done with their slot receivers. We've seen it in um, in Arizona. So with Larry Fitzgerald having some of, you know, just amazing years there, um, Bruce Arians came out and said, he you know, Chris Godwin can easily have 100 catches this, this season playing in the slot. So I, I would take Chris Godwin right now over Mike Evans. We've got five weeks uh, of sample of what Chris Godwin can do. He's had one bad week out of five. And that one bad week was the only week Mike Evans had just an amazing week. Uh, other than that, Mike Evans has been honestly he's been pretty brutal. Uh, he, I, I have him in a league. I don't. I'm looking to try to move him. Uh, he put up a goose egg last week, so I'm definitely a Chris Godwin over Mike Evans guy. Uh, another wide receiver that went talk about guys that have dropped in ADP. Uh, you mentioned him earlier, Odell at three two. And then at 312 was Juju. Uh, Juju universally was a, you know, first round wide receiver uh, to start the year. Some people even had him as their number one wide receiver in redraft. And now he's going at the end of the third round. Uh, guys like, and and this is going to blow a lot of people's mind. I think you were getting ready to allude to this. Uh, DJ Chark went in this draft. He went at 3-8 four slots ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, right between Evans and Juju. Yep. Uh, so talk about, I think Chark is the highest riser in, in this draft. And I, I'm i I'm just, I, would you have taken DJ Chark in the third round? Do you think he's a, a back end of the third round wide receiver? 
I probably still would have taken a couple of these guys we see in the fourth ahead of him. I noted how I, Adam Thielen was taken right after Juju. I probably would have taken Thielen above uh, most of these guys. Um, Galladay is borderline. But yeah, I, I, I would have taken him within the next 12 picks. I, I do believe he belongs up there. And my biggest takeaway from that, I know that we're talking about a rest of season here, but my biggest takeaway from that, just a quick aside, would be for the dynasty players out there, is to realize DJ Chark and how much he might end up moving up your dynasty values before the end of the season and, and going into next season. So if you have an opportunity there's value here one way or the other, either to buy him now and from someone who's thinking that they can sell you to him for something, thinking he's just a flash in the pan. And on the flip side, if you have him, I would not sell him right away. I would let that value catch up. Yeah, that's a good point for, for a dynasty perspective. I, I completely agree. Not a lot of names here. We kind of went through a bunch, um, but now now that we kind of talked about those and where they're all at as far as they're within their position, a couple trade talks we had talked about. We talked about Derrick Henry. So for comparison, we just talked about DJ, DJ Chark. He was actually taken one pick ahead of Derrick Henry. Now, to me, that's the part that doesn't make sense. And that's, I guess, more to do with, like we said, Derek Henry being too low, maybe than Chark being too high, but there's a few values here that if you actually consider value to player to player, the receiver or running back that were taken side by side, the values don't really seem to match up. So another example, quick question. Would you rather have rest of season? This is PPR, this league, any league, carry on Johnson or Tyree kill. Depends on what I did, honestly, the first two rounds. I'm going to lean. So where they went was, you know, 2-8, 2-9. So that means I was drafting from either 1-4, 1-5. So probably went running back the first round. I'm just saying Ritz is the season. Maybe not even this league, any league. Okay. We're talking about trades now for people. Because not everyone's in, in redraft leagues that's starting week six. Yep. No, I think, honestly, I think I'd rather go Tyreek Hill the rest of the year. I, I mean, I agree. I And it was funny that I was looking at this and I saw they were side by side. I'm in a, in a keeper redraft league right now and I was literally trying to sell on Johnson plus for Tyreek Hill. And I was turned down. And so then I saw them here, on Johnson being taken one pick ahead of Hill. And I, and I thought that was interesting. Well, I, I think it's because if you're a Tyreek owner and I have Tyreek in a couple of different leagues, I've held on to him this long and it's difficult for me personally to hold on to somebody for six weeks knowing, okay, he's practicing. He's probably going to be back either this week or next. And now I'm going to sell him like my opera. If, if, if I've been committed to the guy on my squad, on my bench doing nothing for me this long, what's another week at this point? Well, my counter point to that would be yes you've held him but you've held him all this time in order to gain the value of him right now having already sat out and he's back and so now you his his value is back if you were going to sell sell him you should have sold him after the injury but you all knew that his if value I'm, was low if I'm, if I'm three and two or better and I have Tyreek on my bench. I'm not. I'm not selling. Uh, not is it, you'd have to offer me a, a significant offer to get him. If I'm uh, two wins and less, I'm definitely listening to offers for Tyreek because I can't. I can't just you know not be active and say okay, I'm gonna you know take another donut on him this week because he's not gonna play, and perhaps he'll be back next week. There's a good chance because I spent early draft capital on him that I'm in a hole and I need to do something to to shake up my roster to to make me a little bit more competitive to start getting wins. My my wins are now starting to become more urgent than if I'm, you know, above 500 at this point. So I think that has a lot to play with it as well. 
most of the winning teams that I see that have Hill have other players that are doing just fine. And so if I'm them, my thinking when trying to buy him with carry on in this case was the, they're running backs. And uh, I was, I was, I said, plus it was carry on Hooper. I was trying to sell him for, and they had Engram. So who was out this week. And uh, so I was kind of trying to take advantage of that situation, but yeah, it's, it's not a bad offer to me. It's a great opportunity to uh, sell someone who you've been missing, but if you have other players, quite honestly, you won't miss. And so it's almost if you can sell it to upgrade another position where you do have a need, that's almost like there's no loss there. You've already uh, been doing well. The only way I can see you, of course, in no way selling him would be if it's like your running backs who've been carrying your team and you really need a wide receiver. All right, so enough for the wide receivers and running backs. Evan wants to know who was the first quarterback taken. The the same quarterback that's always going to be taken in in, in any league. Yeah. No, that wasn't a surprise, but I will say the distribution of the quarterbacks in what rounds they were taken is actually what was interesting to me in this draft. Not so much uh, who it was more about the where Patrick Mahomes taken with the two seven, the next quarterback taken was Deshaun Watson as it should be. But with the ninth pick in the fourth round, that's actually farther than I would have expected um, between the two of them. I was going to say what, what, it looks like on according to this draft and a lot of people literally went late round quarterback. You you had only had four quarterbacks drafted in the first six rounds. So, you know, people are listening. <laughs> there's no, in a single quarterback league, there's no point in, in rushing to grab yourself quarterback. There's a good, you know, 15 to 17 quarterbacks that you can start on any given week. Um, so for four quarterbacks through six rounds, that's fantastic. Uh, a lot of the quarterbacks went round set, at least looking on here, looks like we had five quarterbacks between rounds seven and eight. So, I mean, it, it just shows you wait on your quarterbacks. There's no rush at all yeah, to grab them. At the end of the fifth round, Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson went, and then none went off until it came to me on my turn in the seventh round. And I just peeked over to see who had been taken. I really hadn't been paying attention so much to the other picks. It's hard when you're on the end there. It's so long between. So I didn't realize that only four quarterbacks had been taken. And so when I looked at it and I realized it's the seventh round, I have a good stable of running backs and wide receivers and I saw Lamar Jackson, so I took him at the beginning of the seventh, and that kind of triggered a little bit of a, a quarterback spree over the next few rounds. The next one, it was Lamar Jackson, and then Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott were all taken in the seventh round. So the, the order of the quarterbacks here pretty much made sense to me. Was there any that stuck out to you? 9-12, uh, 9-2. 9-2. Aaron Rodgers taken with the second pick in the ninth round after Winston, after Tom Brady, but still he, that's the top 10. Yeah. He, he was the number nine quarterback taken overall. And I, I said this a few weeks ago on the sleeper wire, uh, sleeper wire podcast that I, that I do. I, I, I got a lot of heat from it at the time from the guys that I was doing the show with. I, I came out and said, Aaron Rodgers is not a top 10 quarterback. And they obliterated me at the time for that call. I don't think he's had a top 10 week this year. If he has, he's only had one. It um, was he's one been when, uh, when Adams had his big game too, week yeah. four, I believe. Okay. But he, for where you drafted Aaron Rodgers at, you know, five, six weeks ago, seven, eight weeks ago, depending on when your draft was to the production you've gotten him uh, gotten from him through this point he's he's been terrible uh granted green bay has been a good team but they're not throwing the ball as much their defense is a lot better 
than years past. So they're running the ball more, which is, I think, another reason why we've seen Aaron Jones go at 1-5. Um, but I honestly don't believe Aaron Rodgers is going to finish the season as a top-10 quarterback. I really don't. I think he's outside the top 10. I think he's going to finish between 12 and 15 on the year, which, you know, you can call it a hot take if you want, but I just – I don't see it. I just don't. And that's not what – he's not the Aaron Rodgers from years past where they're allowing him just to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. That's not the way the Green Bay Packers want to play at this point. Yeah, I can't really disagree. Um, I I guess my only thought is – He's, he's had a bad beginning to the season, but I could easily see him doing better from this point going forward, especially when Adams comes back, which, again, maybe not this week, but certainly next week. I could easily see him being top 12, but it would not surprise me if he still is on the lower end and still has disappointing weeks. Uh, absolutely. There is, there is one running back in particular who I definitely would have taken ahead of a number of these, who did not go for another four rounds and another five quarterbacks. And Kyler Murray was taken in the middle of the 12th round after Josh Allen, after Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Brees, who's still a couple weeks out, and Phillip Rivers. To me, this was baffling. Uh, I wish I... I almost wish I had just gone ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I read. I I I need to correct. Make a correction. He was not taken before. He was taken before Drew Brees and Jimmy Garoppolo. I was reading the wrong direction. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett were taken ahead of Kyler Murray. The guy that drafted uh, Baker, he, I I'm, I'm giving him a pass for that pick. He he told me that he was having issues with the draft. That was awesome. and he basically. Yeah, he, he was – Baker Mayfield was basically an auto-draft. So I'm going to give him a buy on that. But I, I still think Kyler Murray, you know, he's talented. I hope they allow him to run more because so far they have not really, you know, took, took his handcuffs off and allowed him to run around, uh, which is one of his, his, his best attributes. So him coming that late, it, while it's kind of a su- surprise, it's not, at least in my opinion. Yeah, Kyler Murray, um, if we, we all looked at his schedule and saw that he it was a rough-looking schedule for the first few weeks. On top of it just being, you know, your first ever starts in the NFL, uh, I fully expected him to not have a great beginning of the season. And I could, one could argue in many respects he's exceeded expectations in that, in that way. Yeah, no, he has. I mean, I have a... I have trust issues with rookie quarterbacks. I don't trust rookie quarterbacks at all. Um, the last rookie quarterback I gave any trust to or any credence to at all was the great Peyton Manning. And there hasn't been another quarterback drafted and at least in his echelon, in my opinion, since. So we're getting there. Well, let me rephrase that. I'd say Andrew Mahomes. Luck. Go ahead. Uh, I didn't like Andrew Luck as much coming out his first year. That's the problem. I'm looking at it based off of rookie seasons alone. Um, You could throw Deshaun Watson in there. His rookie year was absolutely phenomenal, but nobody's seen that coming from him. We were coming out, a lot of people were down on uh, Watson saying, you know, he doesn't throw the ball very fast. He's not very accurate. Um, And he, he shredded and embarrassed everybody who ever said that about him. So... I think Watson, as far as rookie seasons goes, the only one that, you know, since Peyton Manning. Uh, if you want to count Mahomes' second year, seeing it was his first full year uh, starting, okay, I'll give you that one as well. But I just, as far as rookie quarterbacks go, I tend not to trust them. And and for good reason. I just think that um, his combination of skills, especially running and what he's shown us, I, I really like him going forward. He has a really great schedule, especially – towards we get to the end of the season and the playoffs. Um, I have I have him as my second quarterback in a couple different leagues, and I would not be opposed. I end up starting him half the time, really, over guys like Matt Ryan. So I don't I don't hate him as my second quarterback. I'll, I'll, I'll be 
a hundred on that. I don't, I don't hate him as my second quarterback. He's not somebody I want as my, as my QB one. Well, how's this for an example? Um, you're on a winning team. It's a four and one had a kind of a heartbreaking loss last week. And you have Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray, and you really need to upgrade your wide receiver spot. Would you try and sell off Patrick Mahomes to upgrade a wide receiver and go with Kyler Murray rest of the season? As my QB one, no, no. I, I would I would take one of my wide receivers and Kyler Murray and package them for an upgrade at wide receiver. Um, but I would not personally. I would not trade Patrick Mahomes uh, for a wide receiver and then roll out Kyler Murray as my QB one. Okay. I, I I understand both sides of that. It's something obviously I was thinking about and struggling with myself. It just uh. It's only a one quarterback league, so I'm not adding Kyler Murray into a, a deal isn't going to do much. Um, the only way yeah. it was going to happen was because of the name of Patrick Mahomes. Yep. No, and I totally get it. And maybe you're less risk averse than I am. I, I with my trades, I tend to be very risk adverse. Uh, I, I self admittedly very difficult to deal with with regards to trades because. I, like I said, I I don't know. I just am. But I would not trade Mahomes for wide receiver. What what type of wide receiver are you looking at for Mahomes? It was always part of a, a package deal. I think I was trying to get Tyreek Hill, like I said, um, with him. Okay. Yeah, I was, I'd rather have Mahomes as my QB1 than Tyreek Hill and Kyler Murray. For that team, I would rather have Tyreek Hill and Kyler Murray. It's close. I... I think I would have looked for a different wide receiver. I, I think I would have went out and targeted somebody like AJ Green, somebody who's injured and not quite back yet. Um, I think it made an offer for Cooper Cup, um, similar similar setup. Yeah, I love Cooper Cup. Yeah, <laughs> and they're right there in this draft, back to back wide yeah, receiver. They are six and seven. And Cooper Cup was when I said that I I had Cup one, Godwin two. Hill three, Allen was four, and I love Keenan Allen. Anybody who knows me knows I am a Keenan Allen guy. Like, if you're offering me Keenan Allen in a trade, I'm probably going to do it. (laughs) I just love Keenan Allen. And then Odell. So, yeah, Cooper Cup is definitely high on my wide receiver list. Uh, It's funny, looking at this draft, uh, speaking of Cooper Cup, like, at the beginning of the year, most of your uh, Rams wide receivers – we're in the, within just a couple of picks from each other between Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and uh, Brandon Cooks. And I'm looking for Cooks. I don't see him on here right now. I'll, I'll find him in just a second. Uh, Brandon Cooks, 5'7". Uh, yep. Okay. So Cooper Cup jumped up to, to 210. Robert Woods went 5'1". And then Brandon Cooks went 5'7". So it's funny how they were all going about the middle of the – fourth round end of the third beginning of the fourth round uh is where they were kind of going you know start the season and in this draft woods and uh cooks both dropped around and cooper cup jumped up two rounds and they were going so in I, inverse order as well it was cooks woods cup and we always said take cup because he's he's the he's the Rams wide receiver you're getting at the cheapest price uh, a lot of people were concerned about his injury coming back and Lo and behold, he's been not just the best wide receiver on the Rams, but he's been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, period. Looking further down wide receivers, uh, obviously Stefan Diggs falling all the way down into the sixth. It stands out to me. But an interesting player here, someone I've talked about on uh, on this podcast for a couple weeks now at the beginning of the sixth round, you have Michael Gallup and then Will Fuller. Obviously, Fuller had just had a huge game, but Michael Gallup has had some really good games as well. He's been really solid. That whole Cowboys passing game has been pretty solid. Like you got Amari Cooper, who's been great. Gallup has been, you know, he's he stepped up in his second year. Uh, I know a lot of people were high on him. Personally, I wasn't too high on him, but he's proven me wrong. Uh, he, he's been pretty good. And then you got uh, a renaissance and uh, Jason Witten, for uh, the sea of mediocrity that is tight ends, Witten's been pretty serviceable. 
Yeah, if you're in a bind, he 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 gets some points at least. Yeah, if you're happy to go out and get five, six points from your tight end on a on a bye week or something like that, if you just and 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 this is kind of leading into the tight end discussion, but if you just waited on tight end and you ended up with like an OJ Howard or a Chris Herndon, somebody who's suspended or whatnot, you know, Jason Witten has, you know, filled in for those guys pretty admirably. He hasn't really, you know, killed you each week. He's given you a, a handful of points here. He's got a couple of touchdowns. So, I mean, that you'll take that from that position, from somebody that you probably took either off the waiver wires or around 14 or later. The only other wide receivers that stick out to me here are, are just a lot of these younger wide receivers um, that we were we hey, we were all saying whoever picks the right ones out of that group of kind of second and third year wide receivers young guys whoever picks the right ones we're going to have success this season and a lot of them have hit if that's the Will Fuller's the Michael Gallup's the Cortland Sutton going around ahead of Emmanuel Sanders Curtis Samuel Calvin Ridley uh, all these players have all been actually doing pretty well. You might say that the most disappointing ones have been Calvin Ridley and uh, Christian Kirk. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk on Christian Kirk to begin the year. I mean, a, a lot a lot of people. And I still like him, to be honest. I really do still like him going forward, and I did bring that up because once he's back healthy and maybe maybe even now – that's a buy for me because, like I said, Kyler Murray has a really good-looking stretch of the season coming on. Uh, Christian Kirk, we've seen him when he was healthy, fully integrated into this offense, getting as many targets as uh, Larry Fitz. So to me, he's someone a lot of people still have doubts and concerns about that you can get pretty cheaply. And if you need a, a third, fourth, even fifth guy with high potential, um, he would be someone I would target. So in a redraft league, he's not somebody I'm targeting. Um, I, I think as long as Larry Fitz is there, uh, it's going to temper the Christian Kirk value. But if I'm in a dynasty league, I 100% agree with you. Um, Christian Kirk is absolutely somebody I'm going to go out and try to buy. I think as long as Larry Fitz is there, we're, we're not going to be able to see Christian uh, Christian Kirk at his full potential. Um, with Kyler Murray and Christian Kirk going forward, you know, in a dynasty situation, I'm happy. Uh, but as far as a redraft situation, I personally just – I don't want nothing to do with Christian Kirk this year. Well, you know he's getting tons of targets and work still. You're just saying yep. the actual production is is a little capped. Correct. All right. Okay. Uh, I can I can understand that. Um, that's about it for wide receivers. Like you were talking about tight ends, of course, Kelsey went end of the second. George Kittle, middle, beginning of the third. Zach Ertz falling all the way into the middle of the fourth. Evan Ingram in the fifth. And then a bunch of them started going off here in the sixth round. We had Austin Hooper as the fifth overall tight end taken. Uh, that's right where he belongs, I believe. So I'm glad uh, yep. to finally see him getting a little respect that he deserves there. Then you had Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, and Will Disley in the sixth. How, how, how about that Will Disley? God, I love it. He is somebody who I honestly had some doubts about, and I don't know if I was listening too much to football people who said he's really nothing special. Um, but all I knew is when he was playing, he was getting points. And so yep. I had him stashed here and there. Um, and just looking at matchups in, in this, in my next week tonight podcast, I was kind of highlighted him as someone to keep an eye on and, and maybe even get on your bench if you know you're going to need a tight end. And sure enough, he actually broke out a week early from what I was looking at. And he seems to have become a a regular integral part of that offense. Well, it's a compact offense. They don't have a whole lot in the passing game. You got Tyler Lockett, you got DK Metcalf, and that's it. Well, he's certainly detracting from what Metcalf could be then. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely he is. But I, I they don't pass it a whole lot to the running backs. They, 
they run the ball a ton. So with him getting as much volume as he does, I love Will Disley. You were a hundred percent right that, you know, the, the football experts said that, you know, he's not, you know, anything to be excited about. You know, he's just another guy, but he has a role in that offense. They design plays to get him the ball. Uh, that coaching staff loves him. Uh, Russell Wilson absolutely trusts throwing him the ball. And that's good enough for me to to want to have him on my team and absolutely feel great plugging him in and, and starting him on a weekly basis. In the seventh round, we had TJ Hawkinson. Uh, OJ Howard went at the end of the seventh, but that was, again, one of those auto, I believe. Another name here that's been popping up, and he was taken in the eighth round, is Hunter Henry, because he might be back soon. Yep. I had to activate him actually tonight off of my IR um, in one of my sleeper leagues because he was no longer eligible for my IR. So that tells me he's he's practicing uh, and he should be back hopefully this week, if not this week, uh, by next week. So if it's a guy that, you know, we're taking in a draft that starts <laughs> week one is actually week six uh, in the eighth round for Hunter Henry, I like that value. Not a lot of other surprises uh, after that for tight ends. We really have this really core kind of middle class. And a couple of rounds went by before any more were taken. And that was Delaney Walker, Chris Herndon, who unfortunately we then found out next day, pulled a hamstring. He's probably going to miss a couple more weeks. So if you have if you have Chris Herndon in a redraft, are, are you dropping him at this point? Or are you, are, are you still planning on holding him? I was not holding him in a redraft. I basically, okay. in a, in, and he's he's a guy who I really liked, and I have him in dynasties, but uh, I was not bothering with him in redrafts. Basically, I was letting someone else worry about that, and I knew I could still get my Austin Hooper, you know, in the 11th round or something. So I was just doing that instead in my redrafts because, to me, it's just not worth it. And I'll pick him up if he's there come you know last week basically but uh if someone else wants to go out of their way to make room for him i I wasn't gonna there's not that much value in the tight end uh if it's if it's a league where it's just a onesie non-premium yeah i i think it's this year has actually been a a really good year for the tight ends Uh, a lot of these guys that you know some people consider sleepers or you took really late have just you, you know, paid off tremendously. Uh, you got your top three, Kittle, Kelsey, and Ertz. You know, those guys were going within the first two or three rounds in most of your drafts. Um, and then there was the Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper, O.J. Howard tier. Um, and then after that, it was just – if you didn't get any of those top six guys, it was like, okay, just grab, you know, whatever tight end is available at that point. And it's great to see, like – the position actually being pretty solid overall for the most part with guys like Will Disley, Darren Waller, uh, Mark Andrews. Uh, we expect Hunter Henry to be able to jump back up to at least that middle tier. Uh, you're getting solid play from guys like Delaney Walker. Uh, Gerald Everett's just coming off a huge game. Greg Olson has been, you know, solid as a, as a, as a starting tight end for you. So the, the position that has traditionally just been an abysmal position to have to own if you were outside of top three or four guys has actually been a pretty solid position for most people this year, which I like to see. I like it when there's pretty good parity across the positions. Yeah. If you paid up early for one of the top three, you're probably regretting it at this point because they really have not returned uh, enough value for the, their cost. And on the other hand, like I said, last week's podcast, if, if you don't have, a tight end who's giving you points this year, then you're just not trying. And because like you said, there's just so many out there and there's been so many that uh, so many people have been trying to tell you about between Waller, Disley, even guys like Gerald Everett. Um, And I just think, like you said, there's just a lot of points, a lot of guys out there who can give you points. Yeah. The the position is actually been pretty solid. It's, it's nice to see. 
it, I, I get the whole draft your tight end early. If you don't have an early one, you don't have one at all. Uh, traditionally, that's been the way it, it's been. And I've always been one of those drafters that didn't have a tight end because I'm not spending that capital on one of the top three or four. I would always wait and just whoever's left, give me one. I don't care. Um, but this year, if you did that and you did grab the guys like you just mentioned, the Will Disley, the Darren Wallers, uh, the Mark Andrews, or or the old the quote unquote old guys and Delaney Walker and uh, Greg Olson, you know you're happy with 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 waiting because they're giving you close to what you're getting from the big three, and you paid a third of the cost. So it's you know I like that. All right, George, putting a bow on this. Looking back, who is your favorite team here? It's okay, you can say mine. <laughs> well, I was going to say yours, but seeing you insist that I say it, now I'm not going to. Uh, sorry about that. No, I'm going to go with uh, JFF, Johnny Fantasy Football. Uh, I really like what he was able to do. Um, he got Nook and Devontae Adams at his, as his one and two wide receivers. Absolutely can't complain about that. Uh, then he followed up with Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Evan Ingram, Will Fuller, and Dak Prescott. That will round out his starting uh, positions. And then he went and got Golden Tate, John Brown, Chris Thompson, Philip Dorsett, Sterling Shepard, Burkhead, and Pringle. So overall, from top to bottom, it's a really, really solid team. Um, I, I like, I really, really like what he was able to do. When you start off DeAndre Hopkins, Adams, Henry, and Josh Jacobs, uh, four guys that are number ones on their teams, going to get the, the volume of the work from – their respective teams add in such a high upside guy like Will Fuller. And then you get Dak Prescott, who's been playing just phenomenal. And we all know what Evan Ingram's capable to do once he gets back on the field that we know he's not playing tonight. We expect him back next week. So overall, that's a really, really solid team. I like it. And I'm going to go with Justin FF's team. Um, he started off with Nick Chubb and then Amari Cooper. It's pretty solid. Is a very nice core, uh, running back core here going with Mark Ingram and then a huge value as we talked about Melvin Gordon in the beginning of the fourth round. Solid quarterback that he didn't have to pay too much for in Matt Ryan. And then solid wide receivers still behind Cooper with, uh, I, I do wonder he has both Cooper and Gallup. Kind of missed that earlier. I just saw Gallup and I liked that. When he drafted, he he even said that he didn't realize he had both Cooper and Gallup. You know, I did that in a in a team, and I took Sanders and Cortland Sutton, and it's worked out just fine. I, and that's what I was getting ready to say. You know, both those guys have been playing at pretty high levels. I'm absolutely okay rolling out Cooper and Gallup on the same team each week. That that to me doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, he's got a lot of good value here, Calvin Ridley. He's got a good backup quarterback with Brissett. His his what he really needs to do here is unfortunately, like I said, he took Chris Herndon, and then we got news of his his hamstring. So he might be able to make do with Jack Doyle for a couple weeks here. Actually, Jack Doyle's on bye week this week, so he's gonna have to pick somebody up or trade for somebody for his first week. But uh, he has the pieces here. He needs to make some moves, but I like his core there with the first several rounds. Yeah, he, he's one or two uh, – I would say, honestly, he's like one or two trades away from having like an amazing team. I like yeah. his team. I like JFF slightly more. But he, his team, uh, him being Justin, obviously, is is a very solid team from top to bottom. There's not a whole lot of holes other than his tight end position. Yeah, and I like knowing where my weakness is going in. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'd love to be have a core group at two positions and know that I need to fix the third. Yeah, and 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 in his defense, going in, he didn't know uh, Chris Herndon was going to pull a hammy this week. Uh, he was expecting to have him back as his tight end one for this week. So, I mean, just that was just a bad break on uh, uh, for Justin. That's all. All right, George. Uh, thanks for running this league and this go. This will be really interesting. Keep an eye on and a really interesting experiment. I maybe we should just draft in October every year. I, I'm, this is going to be a tradition going forward, by the way. Yeah, I don't see this, why not. We always joke about it, you know, like 
people always want to say, why are you drafting so early? You should draft as late as possible. And, and I always joke around, well, we should just, what are we doing? We should wait to draft out after week one. Well, five five weeks is even. <laughs> okay, better. we're we're gonna wait till October. We're gonna draft in October going forward. Yeah, we just, <laughs> no, we're gonna be drafting in December next. You know, <laughs> we're gonna do the whole season is gonna be three weeks. Everybody's gonna be in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. All right, George. Thanks for joining me, and uh, good luck with your your co-owned team here. And uh, we'll see you around next time. Thanks for joining me. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh yeah, I I, I think I, I think Juju. I I think I don't know what to think. I'm looking him up right now as we speak. Well, well I. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Oh, yeah.